A lot of new phases here tonight, so I'll just introduce myself. My name is Jordan Verner. I am the lead pastor here. My mother did not introduce, but she does the family ministry, family pastor. So, uh, And then we have Jordan doing college ministry and, and worship as he led us earlier. So, uh, so glad you're here. It's so fun to be able to celebrate um, with so many uh, people, so many faces I know, so many faces I don't know. Uh, but so many people here um, have had such a, an influence in my life, and I love so many of you deeply, and this is such a part of what you have sown and what you've believed and been behind this vision for a long time. Um, I did just want to start, uh, and I just want to honor one person. I just think there's something about honor, and really think when you give honor, you, you give it publicly. Um, and you just heard from her, but it is my mother. Um, wasn't planning on getting emotional, but I probably will. But I just want to thank you and honor you for how you fought. You fought for freedom, and you fought for my freedom, and you fought for Riley's freedom, and you fought for Mason's freedom. And thank you for not giving up in your pain. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus, uh, because we would not be here if it wasn't for that. So this, uh, this is your fruit, and I... Uh, Thank you for giving to the Lord, because I'm a life that was changed forever. So, amen. So tonight, uh, it's a fun night. It's probably a little different than maybe uh, most sermons. I don't know even if I'm going to preach a sermon to you. Uh, I'm really just going to share what I believe uh, this is. Why are we doing this? I think every church, uh, you know, there's lots of churches, and I have people ask me all types of questions about why are we doing this, what is the vision, and, you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's, this, this has been in my heart for years, uh, really, and probably been more refined in the last few years, and then really um, more refined in the last probably six months, but a lot of prayer and a lot of heart, and really, we're in the season of, of self-identification. You know, when a child comes out of the womb, the first few years of their life, they are solely identifying themselves uh, based on what their parents, who their parents tell them they are. And we've been in this journey, and I've been in this journey, and, and really discerning and seeking the Lord for what is this? Why are you calling us to do this? Is it just a good idea? Is it just, hey, this is awesome? Um, which it is a good idea. It is awesome, but I don't think that's sufficient. You know, and I think that, uh, I think each church each church on planet Earth uh, has a different and very unique call. Uh, God is manifold. He's multifaceted. He's like a diamond where you can look at it for a thousand, a thousand different ways and a thousand different days, and it's still pretty and it looks different, right? It's, it's, it's multifaceted. And the church is like that, and that's part of what makes it frustrating, but it's part of what makes it beautiful. And each church has this very specific DNA, this call that God's called it to do. And no other church can fulfill that call except for the church that he's birthing. So I'm going to do my best to communicate what I believe that is, and this really is still in process. Uh, this is not some final thing, but it is something that I believe deeply. I've heard a few times uh, vision messages kind of shared, and they're shared, I guess sometimes I just come away feeling like people were trying to make me believe, like why what they were saying is true, or why what they were saying is of God. And so, uh, to the best of my ability, I'm really not going to try to convince you what I'm saying is true. I'm just going to share what I believe. And it's why I'm here, and it's, it's, why, uh, it's why we're doing this. 
Uh, before I get into that, there's, there's really two components of vision, uh, of dreams with the Lord. And uh, sometimes we think that, I don't know, that it's either like all us, we have to make our lives happen, or God just does these amazing things, right? And we have all these stories in the Bible. It's amazing. Like every single story in the Bible starts with a very, very similar experience. And it's basically God comes to a man or a woman and he speaks, and uh, Abraham's probably the hero of faith for all of us. And it says that uh, God comes to Abraham, who is this uh, nomadic kind of herdsman at the time. God, and, and God tells him to, to leave his family, go to a land. Um, he goes on this journey of obedience. And then one day God comes to him. And he comes in this covenantal moment. And he says, Abraham, I want you to look out and I want you to look at the stars he says, if you can count them by number, he said, so your descendants will be. And, you know, that's God speaking to a very, you know, ancient society, to a man in a way that he's basically saying, Abraham, I want to use you. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he speaks the most ridiculously impossible thing because this man, Abraham, has a wife who's barren and he doesn't even have a son. And God says, look, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He gives this impossible dream. And there's this transaction, this experience that happens where God speaks. And it says, Abraham believes. And something gets conceived in that moment. And I believe that every human being on planet Earth has been given this capacity, this faculty in their soul to hear the voice of the one that spoke them into existence say, Look out at the stars and let me show you what I want to do. And man also has this ability, man and women has that ability to believe. And when we believe the word of the Lord, something gets conceived and we become pregnant in a sense. Man, I'm sorry. You're going to have to bear with me. Don't take it literal and don't put it on Facebook. Um, but you get impregnated with a promise, right? Something happens, and there's two, there's two players involved. There's God, and there's man. And I believe that any dream, any vision, it's always going to be two players involved. There's God's role, and there's God's part, and there is our part. In the conception of any dream or vision, God is the one who speaks. He's the one who initiates, and it's our job to then respond and believe. And when we do that, something gets conceived. But I, I, there's this temptation that happens, I think, when people start believing these big things. And I guess even first of all, how do I know if it's a God dream? This is my criteria. If you can do it on your own, it's not him. If you can make it happen in your own strength, it's not him. If you think about it and it makes you feel puffed up, it's not him because he will terrify you with his dreams. He will tell you something that you could never do in a million years. He'll, he'll make, it'll make you feel weak and vulnerable. It make, it'll make you feel like you're a little kid and he says, you're, you're going to be a fireman. And you like put on your dad's fireman jacket and you're like, I'm a fireman. You're like, oh, but I'm not. Like this is way big for me. I don't even fit. My arms don't even go through the hole, right? And you're like walking around. I'm a fireman. That's how Abraham felt. Yeah, guys, see the stars? I'm going to have more kids than the stars. They're like, show me one. In process, right? So a God, when a God speaks and it's a God dream, it's big. It's bigger. There's a story, Reinhard Bonnke, he's this evangelist to Africa. He's literally had crusades where five million people come. 
He was a little boy. God spoke to him. He went to a prayer meeting as a little boy, and this lady in the prayer meeting said, the Lord spoke to me. I had this vision, and I saw a a little boy standing before crowds of African people, and he was feeding them bread. And she looked at the little boy and said, it was him. And as a seven-year-old little boy, he believed in something conceived in his heart. And then for years, he was tested and he was tried, and people told him, you're never going to do this. The first time he ever had a preaching class, the person looked at him and said, you will never preach the gospel. That was the worst sermon I ever heard. He said he went out into a barn and he started crying. He he hid himself in this little shack with all these uh, gardening tools, and he cried and said, Lord, I'm not going to be an evangelist. They just told me I'm never going to preach. And God said, what did I tell you? He said, you told me I was going to be a boy feeding bread to masses of African people. And he believed. Right? God speaks, and they're big, impossible dreams that we can't do. But there's this temptation sometimes when we say, okay, I got this God dream. I have this vision. It's amazing. It's awesome. And it's like, well, I believed. Now it's all on you, God. You got it. I can't make that happen. It's impossible. And it seems like it's right thinking, but it's still wrong thinking. Because there's still two players in this equation. It's always us and God. God will always be faithful to do his part. We have to be faithful to do our part. And so, yes, we have to believe to conceive. But just as a pregnant woman, she doesn't just get a baby and says, okay, I'm just going to do nothing now. And the baby's going to come out in nine months, right? No, you change. You change your diet. You change your sleep patterns. You change the way you live your life. Everything in your life changes because you are now living pregnant with something that you are responsible to bring into the world. And you know the crazy thing is that you don't make the baby grow. You don't know how to make it grow a brain and grow arms and do the, you, you can't like, that'd be some like crazy working out, right? There's some extra IQ right there. I like some basketball skills. We're thinking D1 scholarship right here. (laughs) We don't do that, right? We can't do that. That is not possible. But somehow God manages to grow a child in our stomachs. Not ours. I'm saying ours as humankind. Not men. Female stomachs. But God does this miracle, and it happens all the time. But we still have our part to play, right? They say, like, you can speak to the child, and they start hearing things and receiving things and picking up on things before they're even born, like at three months or something. These miracles are happening, but there's so much of this human responsibility. And what does it look like? Practical things. I change the way I sleep. I change the way I eat. Just my life is now lived, consumed with bringing this promise, this child, to fruition. Amen? And so when it comes to, to, to dreaming with God, we have to understand we have a role to play. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about God, what I believe God is speaking for this church. And then I'm going to talk about what I believe our role to play is now. Sound good? So who is Riverhouse? Um, I'm just going to speak boldly, and I'm going to speak as honestly as I can. And uh, just know, like, it's not because I feel super strong. It's, it's actually extremely vulnerable, so it's kind of why I do it. If I ever feel vulnerable, it's like, oh, it must be God. So I'll feel weak. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. I'm going to tell you what he's been speaking to my heart. So we say uh, our vision, our mission here is in Boise as it is in heaven. So what do I believe that that looks like? 
Um, I'll start just physically. I believe that we will have a campus in downtown Boise, and if I were to tell you what that campus I believe will be, it's in Fort Boise, and it's the, called the Boise Armory Building. You might know what it is. I've spent, honestly, hours there praying because I believe, I said, Lord, I, I ask, and I ask that you give it as inheritance for this church um, because I believe that this will be a church uh, of roughly 1,500 people. If I'm, I'm talking 10 years. This is what I've been talking with the Lord. Roughly 1,500 people. Uh, this church possesses an entrepreneurial spirit. And I use the word entrepreneurial because what that really means to me is creative. But I think creative has been so construed in the way that we think of that word. We almost think that it's, it's almost been like feminized in a way that's like, oh, I don't really want to be that. Or it's like weak. Or it's an extremely powerful word. Um, and when I say entrepreneurial spirit... Um, I believe that there's going to be a lot of creation and creative people that are creating uh, ministry, that are creating homes, that are creating families, that are creating businesses, uh, that are creating nonprofits, that are creating art, that are creating um, communities uh, in Boise. It'll be this sense where it's not so much that I'm doing it, it'll be that we as a people are doing it. We're a creative people. We go out, God speaks to us, and we make things, right, uh, that, that we one of our primary roles, I think, as humans is actually to create culture. Like, we, like think, think of the iPhone and how that has transformed the world, right? It's transformed literally the way that, that every single human on the, in at least Western and Western world lives their life every single day. Um, and that was a creation in someone's mind. Um, and I believe that God is looking for his sons and daughters to start getting his ideas, his imaginations, and then partnering with him to create and create artifacts, create things, create life. This isn't just church talking. This is in the world. This is in the marketplace. Creating things that change the way people live their life so that heaven can come to earth in very practical ways, like cell phones, right, or the way that we, um, you know, businesses or restaurants, or the way we do restaurants, or the way we do real estate and government and teaching and all these things, just a creative people. Um, within that, I believe that we will, um, you know, Dan, Dan spoke this over us last night and Honestly, that's probably the third or fourth time I've heard this, but I believe that we will plant churches. Um, but I do want to speak to how we'll plant churches because I have no desire to create like a river house denomination, you know, or like an affiliation. I believe that we will plant churches uh, that they won't be necessarily affiliated to us like river house, um, but we're just going to send people and give resources. And I believe God's going to raise up people that a call of God's going to come. And we feel called to wherever, Salt Lake City, we feel called to to Melba, we feel called, you know, anywhere, um, but that this church will birth and that we will get behind and send people and we'll send resources that will result in churches being planted. Um, last thing as far as the local expression of Riverhouse is that we will be a people of power and purity. Um, we will not be known for powerful preaching. We'll be known as a powerful people and we'll have the holiness to sustain that. I'm very, very, very passionate and I'm tired of a church where there's only three or four powerful people in the church and everybody else comes and sits and consumes and then goes and lives their life and then they come back and there's the same three or four powerful people. And we say, you know, everybody's powerful and we're a royal priesthood, but it, the people of God don't look like it. And I just believe that God is wanting to raise up um, Raising up an expression uh, here where uh, people are leaders and people are, they're just, they're just not known for uh, 
go to church on Sunday, they're known as like, whenever I meet these people, there's something about them. Like, you know, it's what we heard incredible testimonies just last night um, of what it looks like to just live a life that looks like Jesus, right? You get filled with Jesus, you start living a life that looks like Jesus. And I'm going to talk um, a little more in depth about this um, towards the end, so just keep that in your mind. Um, I'm going to switch to a second because I believe that, can I get, I don't know where I put my water. Can you hand me that? You guys are really quiet. Are you thinking? Are you criticizing what I'm saying? Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just joking. You have free permission to do that too. Um, Okay, so as far as, I believe that, yeah, we are local, we're called to Boise, this is our city, and we love it. We're not just called to pastor a church, we're called to pastor a city. That's all of us, right? We are the priesthood of God, we're a royal people, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Um, that is our city, but I also believe that there is a global call on this church that looks like missions, and this is going to be a very important part of what we do, and I just... I'm going to read, I believe, um, Psalms 2, it says, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. And I believe that, that we, and when I say we, I mean individuals sitting in this room, you have inheritance to receive from God amongst the nations. It is part of your destiny on the earth is in the nations. And it is waiting for us to go and receive and to go. Uh, the, the harvest is ripe. And the laborers are few, so pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into the field. And I believe that this is an answer to the heart of God. That word is ekbalo in the Greek, and it's this sending, it's this forceful sending out. And I believe that God, uh, he's answering that here in our midst, and that we will be a sent church on mission in our city, but also in the nations. Um, we will send teams of people, uh, particularly in the regions of Asia and South America, and we'll be doing uh, evangelistic crusades. Um, we will be part of planning churches, supporting pastors, and funding kingdom-minded local ministries in the respective nations. And the cool thing about each of those things I just told you is that it's already happening, and uh, there's actually more to come. Um, but this will all be happening within the next year of River House. There's a ministry, um, a school, a uh, 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 raising up pastors in India that we're going to be funding, that we'll be graduating 25 pastors a year um, and sending them out into India to plant churches. Um, and we'll be going, um, we will be going to India um, to, do, uh, to do these crusades, these evangelist crusades uh, within the year. And that's very exciting and very dear to my heart. And it uh, won't just me me going, it will be us going and teams of people going. And I believe it's just a, the first fruits and the beginnings of what the Lord will do through us as a people um, in the nations. And very, very, very dear to my heart and also very, very excited. I believe that if you've ever been to the third world, there's a hunger and a, a just this poor in spirit that when you're around them, they possess this revelation of Jesus that awakens something in you. And... Um, in the last probably five months, the Lord, time and time again, just through a number of experiences, and I've been in, I've been in both South America and Asia this year, in India, and the Lord uh, just started showing me, Jordan, if you, if you want a church that possesses the heart of what they have, because I was at a prayer meeting, I've I tell this all the time because I want to see it here, but I was at a prayer meeting, a 4 a.m. prayer meeting in South America in this March, 
And there's about 1,000, maybe 500 to 1,000 people there. I don't know exactly, but enough to fill up a very big room. At 4 a.m. in the morning of these people crying out to God with this hunger that I have very rarely experienced here in America. And I'm just walking around, walking around, and I'm just weeping. And I'm just weeping, saying, God, don't tell me I can't see this in my city. Don't tell me that this can't be your American bride. And I'm just weeping, just weeping, just weeping. And it just, and there was no resolution. There was no amazing epiphany. It's just this deep, gut-wrenching ache in my heart that there is something we need that they have. And I believe that the poor in the kingdom, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And he's not just saying love on the poor. He's much more radical than that. He's saying, they're your teachers. You want to understand my kingdom, let, learn from them. And so as part of the missions of what we do, um, we'll be going, yes, to bless and send and equip because we have blessing to give them. But we'll be going to learn from them and get their heart and understand how do you love Jesus the way you love Jesus? How do you worship him like this? Teach me. Let me learn from you. And we will, we will honor honor the, the less fortunate parts of the world and we'll receive a great blessing. They'll be cross-pollination. We'll, we'll begin to look like them. They'll begin to look like us. Unity. John 17. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Um, I think I'm just going to stop there. That was vulnerable enough. If I didn't sound like it, it's because I'm good at faking, I guess. But what do we have to do today? Because those are dreams. Those are impossible dreams. I can't do any of those things. God can, but I can't. I can't make it happen. I just believe. What do we do today? There's a uh, Chinese proverb that says, uh, says, if you're planning for a year, plant rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. If you're planning for a century, plant men. And it's this principle that it's about people. And it's about pouring your life into people and raising up people. And that is how you'll see transformation. That's how you'll see change. That's how you'll see the world really transformed as people. It's not quick. Um, sociologists will tell you that things that really leave deep impacts take a long time to develop. If it's a quick rise, it'll be a quick fall. But if it's a slow, healthy, you're building on a foundation, which in the kingdom is people, it will have a long-term success that will be multi-generational. Um, I believe that the Lord is not looking just to use blips. And when I say blips, sometimes, um, you know, in eternity, our, our like 90 years to God is like a blip, 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 blip. And I think sometimes we spend so much time trying to make our blip seem really cool and really important and sound amazing. Blip, blip. Like we live consumed with our blip. And we just keep blipping by. And that was not like a cover of a slang cuss word or something. <laughs> that is a new word I just created. But what I'm getting at is God is not just wanting blips that are remarkable blips. He's wanting to sing a song. He is singing over creation. There's this, if you've read C.S. Lewis, he talks like he, he describes where Aslan the lion, he's like singing over creation and it's being made. And I believe that God is singing a song, but it's not just with one note. 
right? It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole music chart full of these notes, and it's generation after generation after generation after generation, and all of a sudden these blips start sounding like this beautiful melody of heaven, and it's this restored order of God, this God who's singing over his people, rejoicing over his people, but we got to get past like this little blip, blip, blip. It's not about our blip. The only thing that matters is what we can give that continues on. And God's not just dreaming for a generation. He's dreaming for multi-generational legacies. He's not the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Josiah and Paul and Peter and Jesus, right? It's like that's, that's Israel's whole story. They have the book of Numbers. Who likes the book of Numbers? Why is it there? Because you can see, here's the genealogy. I'm a God of covenant all the way down. We say, oh, who cares about the book of numbers? God's like, I do. I do. That is my faithfulness recorded over generation after generation after generation. Because he's not writing blips. He's writing beautiful music. Right? And we're just merging ourselves here, planning this church. Um, This is not just independent of anything. God's been writing this for a long time, and he's going to be writing it for a long time after us. And so if we are going to fulfill and do these amazing things, we've got to look bigger than ourselves. And I believe that my primary call, I'm, I'm first a worshiper, and he's called me to be a preacher of the gospel. But what burns in my heart is to see a people, to see a bride raised up that is full of the power and the purity of Jesus that can look at him with holy love and give him back the life he sacrificed on the cross. My desire and why I live is that I can come to him and worship him and say, here is your life that you laid down, cultivated in me. Have your reward. And I don't just want that in my life. I want that in his church, and I want that here to be a holy people. And I, can, I, I do not care if anybody knows my name. I don't. I've told my brother many times, and I mean it, I want him to be bigger than me. I want him to be better than me. I hope he's more famous than me. I hope he's a better preacher than me, and I mean it. I I don't care. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see him move. I'm like, God, if, if I can just see you move in the earth, if I can just see your glory, I'm satisfied. I'm alive. And my heart is to lay down my life and pour out everything I can. I believe he's given me anointing and he's equipped me with the grace. I didn't earn it. Uh, My age experience (laughs) didn't make me have it. (laughs) Let's keep on laughing at that one, right? You're like, how old is he? I'm going to grow out some facial hair so I look more old. But it's not me. It's the grace of God, and he's given me. He's given me his heart, and I just want to see people raised up that can be a powerful people in the earth doing powerful things so that literally they do not think of my face when they see this church. They think of Jesus because people can't put their fingers. They're like, how? how, What just happened? Like, only God. Only God. I want God to be so, show off so greatly through us as a people that people are like, No, it's not them. Only God. They couldn't do that. Only God. Only God. And that's what he's looking for. That's what we heard last night. Such a powerful word last night. So planting people. How are we going to plant people? I don't want to be a church. This is just our DNA. We're not going to be like the program church. I love programs. I love, like, there's some most amazing programs, like the Celebrate Recoveries and and, uh, all the different amazing things, right? Like, 
like, you know what I'm talking about. There's all these amazing programs of churches, and I believe that there's a ton of churches that do that extremely well in this valley, and we're not just going to make our version of them. Um, we'll, have, we'll have a Sunday ministry, and we'll have, we'll have programs around Sundays, right? Kids ministry, children's ministry, things like that, youth ministry that will, that will sustain Sundays. But I don't want, we're not going to bog up the week with a bunch of programs because I don't believe it's the call that he's put on us. Um, the model that we're going to use, it's a missional church model. If you want to read theologically about this, um, I've changed it, tweaked it as, just with the Lord in my own prayer, but that's the heart of it. And we call it revival groups here. What are revival groups? Uh, they're communities of people uh, that, that are people of prayer, they're a family, and they're on mission with God. And that's, that's simple. That's who we are. We're people of prayer. We're a family. And we're on mission with God in Boise and in the nations. Um, each one of these revival groups uh, is uh, it's led by three people. One person that we feel God has called to make this community a person of prayer. One person to make a person of family, a, a people of family. And, and lastly, uh, it's not to head up the mission to make a, a missional people. And uh, it's not a small group. So right now we have, we have one. And uh, basically I just want to kind of cast the vision for what this is going to look like. Um, my calling, like I said, is to raise up leaders. And so we have three right now. Raise your hands. Ben and Ashley, Jody and Casey, Robin. So they are leading this, this, uh, this missional community, this revival group. And the heart is that they will in turn do the same thing, and they will understand that they are pouring their lives into people and they're taking this leadership role, which is I will serve, I will lay down my life to see people become bigger than me, better than me, more successful than me. And I'm going to get behind them and love them with everything I have to see them successful. Because my success is your success, and your success is my success. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters, all seeking to bring glory to Jesus. So, right, we have this one, three people, um, couples pouring in, and they're going to raise up people, but I've told them, I've told them, guys, there's no success without a successor. If you're not pouring your life into someone and duplicating yourself, then, uh, then there's no success, because it's not just about our blip. It's not a blip. God's looking at our grandkids today. It's not a blip. And so they're going to raise someone up, and this is going to grow. This, this, this one's going to grow. We're probably like 20 now, 20 people that have been coming to this, because a lot of people come to Sunday church. Not a lot of people like to do it during the week, right? Uh, that's just kind of the, the MO a lot of times, and, and I get that. Um, but this isn't just a small group. This is basically a community that's going to be organic, and it's going to take on the characters of these three people, of these three leaders, leadership couples. Because the thing is, is that I am called to the church. God has given me a grace to be an equipper in the body of Christ, but he has not given me the grace to go be in the marketplace. But Ben, ben is. Ben and Ashley are. And Jody and Casey are. And my mother is different. But, the, but their authority starts where mine ends. It's not different in a bad way. You know what I'm saying? I'm making my point about these ones. Stay with me. They are called to the marketplace. And now they are being the priests that God's called them to do. And they're raising people up and they're giving their lives. And what are they becoming now? Powerful. They're going to be used by God to impact people's life in a deep way, which is what we're all made to do. Love 
It's all about love. And then they're going to raise people up, and this is going to get too big. This revival group's going to get too big, and we're going to be like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? But there's no success without successors. We're going to have the successors picked out because the Lord, he already knows. He knows who the next three are. And then they're going to get it sent out, and they're going to be put in a position now because everything rises and falls on leadership. So they're going to be in this position that, that all of a sudden I'm leading people, and, and we're going to create this, and, and, like, mission might look different with this community. And then the next one's going to take on this next character of these people. And it's basically these house churches are going to be formed because churches grow and they lose intimacy, and they're not communities. They're not, they don't know each other deeply, and that's, that's not the kingdom. That's not what God wants. He wants intimate people. And so the weeks are going to be free, and the, and the, whole, the whole desire with these is that it's going to be extemporaneous entrepreneurial ministry, right, which is, hey, the Lord spoke to me, guys, and I just feel like we need to go down to this place on Friday, and who's going to come with me, right? It's not a program. It's just a life of living the gospel out and seeing this power and this purity Represent and pull, and, and you know, one's going to become two, and two's going to become four, and four is going to become eight, and they're all going to be relationally tied. Why? Because they're all founded on laying our lives down to see other people shine. And I believe that out of these groups, as they multiply, um, that's where churches are going to come from, and that's where ideas are going to come from, and some people are going to get the heart for the new age community in this city, which is so hungry for truth. And they just don't know what his name is. And God is going to speak to leaders and they're going to create something dynamic that is going to answer the craving of their souls and give them Jesus. And it's not going to be me. You're sitting here. I don't know who you are yet. But God does. And I know that there are, there are people in the business world that are craving to know the Father's voice. And there, there are rich orphans that don't know who they are. And God's looking to raise up the people that are going to know how to bring the gospel to them, right? And there are people in government and in education and in every single sphere of society that God is wanting to touch. But that's not my call. I'm called here. It's your call. You are the people of God called to show Jesus to the world, to show that he's actually good, that he actually loves you, that he wants to bless you, that he wants you to feel really good about yourself and really excited about the better version of you that's just down the road. He doesn't ever affirm us in our brokenness, but he makes us feel good about ourselves in our brokenness and excited that we need to grow and we need to change and we need to transform. That's grace. Right? And I'm just, I, I'm so thrilled. But the thing is, it's like, I just don't want to preach a bunch of good sermons and have this big crowd that loves great sermons and great worship and God moves. Like, that's amazing. But if that's it, that's not enough. That's not enough. Like, I, I would be so, like, empty if that's all it is. If we just have this big, awesome show. And I felt really awesome during worship. And then I went back and lived my life and never felt like I found what I was put on this earth to do. And I just think God is just, he's just 
just stirring in his heart that he's wanting to release you to fulfill. He's wanting you to just drive to work each morning and do your life and being like a giddy little person that says, I can't believe I'm doing what I was born to do. And it might not have anything to do with what you're doing at your work, but it might be because you're loving on the people there and you know you're possessed with the purity of Jesus that when they see you, they see him and they're being changed and you come alive because it's not about our blip. It's about getting to heaven one day and God saying, now turn around and look down the line of people. They're here because of you. You impacted them. You touched them. Your hand and your fingerprints are on their heart. You changed them. That's what we're here for. That's what we're made for. To love Jesus with everything we have. And to get the joy of watching him use our lives to do miracles to do impossible God dreams. There is no such thing as mediocre mediocrity in the kingdom of Jesus. No little kid tells you he wants to grow up and be mediocre. Not one. Why? Because greatness is in our DNA. Greatness is in our DNA. And Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. You say, I don't know if I have the faith or the courage. He says, trust in my ability to lead you. You say, I've wasted so many chances. He says, my grace is sufficient. And I turn all things to the good of those who love me. So I just want to pray. Um, worship team, you can come back up. We're going to close by this. We're going to end with this. We're not closing because we have a, some fun stuff to do now. I want you to smile at the end. You look all kind of serious right now. You know, joy is the serious business of heaven, so get serious. Uh, on your bulletins, you should have a sticky note on the back of it. Um, during this song... I want you to just pray and ask the Lord for a dream that's in your heart, something impossible that you feel God's placed on your life that you want to see. It could be something you want to see in Boise. It can be something you want to see in the nations. It can be any combination of both. But we want you to write them down. And after you write them, we want you to stick them on this dream wall. And uh, Jody, uh, who painted this beautiful painting over here and a lot of these things on the wall and makes all kinds of amazing, beautiful things, uh, she is going to then take them and then retranscribe them, and she's going to make this really beautiful piece of art that's going to be in the Riverhouse logo, and we're going to frame it on uh, the, the building we get in Fort Boise one day. And uh, uh, just as a memorial to this night and the memorial that God is the God of the impossible. So uh, if you would do that, we would love it, and you can just stick it anywhere on that, uh, and then we will uh, we'll go from there. But I'm going to pray first, and then, uh, and then that's what you can do. So God... I thank you, Lord, that the God of Abraham is in the room. That the God that gave a dream to a young boy named Joseph is in the room. That the God who watched over a young boy named David watching the sheep is in the room. That the God that, 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 that met Mother Teresa on that train and gave her her call to the poor of Calcutta is in the room. I thank you, Lord, 
that you believe in us, and I thank you that you put us on this earth to do something that once we discover what it is, once we know who we are, there's no one else on earth we would ever want to be. So I just pray, God, for grace. I pray that you meet us with promises, and I pray that you give us the courage to actually believe you at your word. I pray that you give us the courage to actually hope that you are good, that your promises are good, and that you're, you're wanting to do exceedingly more than anything we could even dare to ask you or dare to dream or dare to imagine. God, give us that kind of bold faith. It just says, I dare to believe you at your word, God. I pray that you stir up hearts, that you stir up dreams, God, that you stir up that desire deep within us that was made to believe for something great. And I thank you, Lord, for the impossible things that you're going to do in us as your people and through us as your people and what you've created this church to become. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.